0: Good morning. I have the privilege of doing the first uh, in a two-part series titled uh, Good News for Everyday Life. In this first part, which will run for the next five weeks, we will be exploring the question, what is the Gospel and its application to our lives? And then in the second part of the series, we will look at how the Gospel impacts various elements of life. For instance, our relationships, our marriages, how the gospel applies when we fail, how the gospel applies to our trials, and and, and when we're sad, how the gospel applies to how we handle money and how we work. Today, however, we want to look again at the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to focus on the gospel story. I have used the word gospel um, a couple of times this morning. The word gospel means good news. And so when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. What? What is this good news? What is this gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth that we're all sinners before God and under the sentence of eternal death or separation from God, and all that is good. God, in his love for us, however, sent his son into our world to become a man. Jesus was born without sin, and he lived a sinless life. He allowed himself to be crucified. And as he hung on the cross, God the Father took all our sins and put them on Jesus and punished Jesus in our place. Glorious news, isn't it? Amazing news of how God sent his son into our world to die in our place. Paul helps us. As he writes to the believers in in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is what Paul uh, says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verses 1 to 4, Paul says this to us and I read. He says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received It's an amazing passage, and Paul helps us see some really exciting things about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He makes it clear that uh, this gospel isn't just about the start of the Christian life. It's not just something we believe at the start of the Christian life. But actually, this gospel is, 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 is something in which we 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 stand. This gospel is something we have received, Paul says. He says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. And he goes on and he says, in which you stand and by which you're being saved. So we have not only received this gospel, but we we stand in this gospel and we are being saved by this gospel. So Paul helps us see that this gospel is both a past and a present thing. This gospel is for yesterday as well as today and for tomorrow. It is for all of our lives as Christians. Tim Keller uh, says this about the gospel. He says, the gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A to Z of Christianity. The gospel is not the minimum required doctrine to enter the kingdom by the way we make all progress in the kingdom. So not just the ABC, something you believe in are saved, but actually something we have received and something we continue to stand in. And Paul affirms that the gospel has brought us salvation His only reservation lies in the shakiness of the the Christian's faith or the believer's faith in Christ. He says that if men's grip of the gospel is such that they are not really trusting Christ, then he says their belief is groundless and empty. So hold fast, Paul says to us. In the second part of the passage in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul begins to highlight some key things for us, This is what he says. Paul says to us, he says, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. The first thing we discover about the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the fact that, It is very, very important. The fact that it is preeminent, the gospel is the most important thing. It is the most important news. And so our first key point this morning is the primacy of the gospel. It is the most important, glorious news you could ever come across. I remember a few years back, passing my, my driving test, and ooh, I was so excited. I remember the driving instructor turning to me and going, you have passed. I was on cloud nine because I had failed the first time and I was so looking forward to passing this time around because I I wanted to help my wife with the driving. So if we're going on, say, a long journey, I could do some of the driving and I could take the kids to school. And if I wanted to go somewhere on my own, I could just jump in the car and drive there. I didn't have to say to my wife, could you give me a ride there? I was really excited. And I know that for, for some of you, it's the fact that finally you got a mortgage. For some, it's probably the fact that you've been able to pay off your mortgage. For others, you know, it's, it's a marriage proposal. Finally, he proposed, you know. And for, I guess, for the man as well, or whoever, he comes and he says, yes, she said yes. We get excited about all sorts. But Paul helps us see most important. All these these different examples I've shared, they are great, but Paul helps us see news that is beyond this life, the glorious gospel. He says, it is of first importance. We, We cannot hold this gospel. We cannot keep this gospel. It's got to be told to everyone. It is of first importance. Secondly, Paul talks about the the content of the the gospel. What is the gospel message? I want to say to us that the gospel message contains two historical facts, uh, both supported by scripture. We're talking Christ's death and his resurrection, and both facts are bolstered by other proofs. Christ's death is proved by his burial. If he didn't die, he wouldn't have been buried. And his resurrection is proved by eyewitnesses. He appeared to his disciples, and he also appeared to many others. Paul helps us focus. After he's told us about the importance of the gospel, Paul then focuses on the content of the gospel. And the first thing Paul says is this. He says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul uses Christ, the messianic designation of Jesus, encompassing all the prophecies of the Old Testament, so the Old Testament prophecies pointing to the Christ. And when he says, he uses the phrase according to the Scriptures, uh, basically Uh, Paul is not only asserting the fact that Jesus was and is the Messiah, but also Jesus's peculiar relationship with the scriptures. They bear witness about him. When Paul talks about the scriptures, obviously he's referring to the Old Testament at at a time when he's writing. He's saying that, look, the scriptures bear witness. To Jesus, the scriptures effectively point to Jesus. They bear witness about him. You can think about the imagery of Prophet Jonah's deliverance from the belly of the whale, you know, as a picture or an imagery of, of Jesus' death and resurrection uh, on, the, on the third day. Many other uh, passages of scripture in the old. So all that Jesus did and accomplished ultimately was in accordance with The scriptures, including his death and resurrection. This is what Father Stephen Freeman says. He says that if we are to understand the scriptures, we must begin with the one whose life is in accordance with them. Accordance with the scriptures highlights the importance of Jesus not being the start of the gospel story. Actually, The gospel story dates back to the very beginning. It takes us all the way to the very beginning. And so it doesn't start with Jesus saying the New Testament, but actually you go back into the old and there are pictures in there to help us. Paul says Christ died for our sins what does this mean you see god did not create people with the idea that they would die that wasn't god's intention death was first mentioned in the bible as punishment for disobeying god's command and so we, we go we go back to the to the very uh, beginning when god made made man yeah, the, Bible, the Bible says to us that, you know, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made all the things. God was there at the very beginning of creation. He created everything. He made the sun, the moon, the stars, the plants, the animals, everything God created. And then God made man and woman. And man and woman were both special. To God, They were dear to God because they were made in the image of God, the Bible says to us. God created them in his image. God gave Adam and Eve words to obey. He told them not to eat from the special, from the special tree. He was teaching Adam and Eve something very important, that he was their king and they were to obey him. God also said that if they disobeyed his word, they would surely die. He made that very, 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 very clear. However, there was a sad day when Satan crept into God's beautiful garden like a snake. He hated God and he wanted to be God. He told Adam and Eve to doubt God's goodness. He tempted them to disobey God's word and told them they would not die. Well, you see, Adam and Eve had a choice to make. They could either choose to obey God and his word or disobey God. We all know the story. They chose to disobey God's word. They did not let God be king over their lives. They they listened to Satan instead by eating the fruit from the tree. Well, the Bible makes, makes it very, very, very clear that God was angry. He cursed the snake and he punished Adam and Eve. They were separated from God. They died spiritually that day, and later they would die physically. And so we find that death was first mentioned as punishment for disobeying God's command. That's when we, we first hear about death in the Bible or in the scriptures. You see, God being righteous just cannot accept You know, sin, no, he can't stand it. He is holy. And God's justice also decrees that he must punish every crime committed against him. He's got to punish it. He can't overlook sin. He's got to do something about it. And so God had to say to Adam and Eve, look, if you eat this fruit, you will die. And indeed, when they did, they died spiritually that day. They could no longer have a relationship with God. And they were separated from God. They could no longer have fellowship with him. It's interesting to note, however, that when God sent them out of his presence, he gave them a hint. God is such a gracious God. He gave them a hint of the fact that it would not always be like this. God gave a hint that he wouldn't always be angry with them. God promised that one day someone will come and crush Satan's power over people. But that day was a long way off. On this very sad day, God made Adam and Eve leave the garden. Well, The question is this, how does something that happened then affect us today? Well, this is it. You see, all who are born into this world because of Adam and Eve's disobedience are born into sin. We effectively inherit that sinful nature. This sin that we inherit from Adam and Eve is expressed in the various forms of evil that we see all around us. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says to us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Man had a problem he couldn't overcome, the problem of sin and death. Somebody more powerful was needed to deal with the problem of sin and death. You see, the severity of the crime depends not just on my actions and your actions, but also the one we are committing the crime against. God is the one who made us, he gave us life, and he continues to give us life and breath each day. He is our creator. We rebel in our hearts when we choose to go our own way and live life without him. Rebellion leads to separation from God and eventually death because of our sin we were objects of God's wrath and facing life without him in this life and beyond physical death. The reason Jesus came was to reconcile people back to God by dealing with the problem of sin once and for all. So Jesus didn't have to die many times. He came to deal with the problem of sin and death once and for all. In Christ Jesus, therefore, we see God and sinners reconciled. God's hint that he would not always be angry with man and that someone would come and crush Satan's power over people had arrived in the passing of Jesus. How exciting is that? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus in paying the penalty had to die because the wages of sin is death. Our sin was put on him and so he had to die. Sin is punishable by death. Jesus had to die in our place He died for our sins. Paul says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He died for our sins refers to the fact that God the Son became a man, lived a perfect life, allowed himself to be arrested, tried, convicted, crucified as Jesus hung on that cross, God the Father took every sin we have committed or will ever commit and put them on Jesus and punished him in our place. Jesus became our substitute. He took our place, taking on our sins and then the wrath of God, which was ours. We deserved the wrath of God. Jesus took that. He effectively took our place, your place, and my place. So, the bad news that all are guilty of sin and condemned by God is counted by the glorious gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. God, because of his love for the world, has made a way for us to be forgiving of our sins. Amazing. He has made a way for us to be forgiven. Paul then goes on and he says that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. You see, Jesus took the wrath of God for us and he died. His body was placed in a tomb and on the third day He came back from the dead, never to die again. Jesus, who died and was buried, is alive again. The resurrection of Christ from the dead is the very centerpiece of the gospel. Without it, Christ's death and burial will be rendered ineffective and incomplete. Who hopes in a dead savior anyway? God, in his love and grace, overcame our two enemies of sin and death. And those who acknowledge Jesus, that they are to acknowledge Jesus that they are sinners and trust him to save them from eternal condemnation are forgiving of their sins and giving the gift of eternal life with God. So Paul helps us see the primacy of the gospel. It's very, very, very important. The content of the gospel. This is the content of the gospel that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Secondly, he was raised from the dead. Third thing about the gospel, Paul highlights the power of the gospel. Paul says to us in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, there is power in the gospel to save, to deliver, and to set free. God works his power through the gospel to take people from death to life. It does not simply bring us power. The gospel is the power of God itself. After we are saved, the gospel is the instrument of all continual growth and spiritual progress. It is also the blessing of God with benefits that accrue to anyone who comes near. God offers us in Christ forgiveness. Freedom and his spirit to live with us. All this is a gift from God. We, we do not earn it. We do not work for it. It is by the grace of God. The gospel is the power of God. So the gospel saves us. We are, we are transferred from death into life. We cross over from death into life. It doesn't stop there. The gospel continues to equip us continually in our growth, in this newfound faith. The gospel is glorious. There is, as I finish up, there's so much that believers ought to be thankful to God for. We ought to be thankful for The fact that this gospel has saved us, what has it saved us from? It saved us from God's wrath. It saved us from judgment. It saved us from hell, from eternity without God. This gospel has brought us to God. This gospel has has brought us reconciliation. We've been reconnected with God. Because of this gospel, we are forgiving. Our guilt and shame is sticking away. We have received God's power through the gospel to live for him. Christians ought to be grateful to God for this gospel. We should give thanks to God for this gospel every day. This gospel saved you. This gospel has brought transformation to your life. Well, what about the non christian Well, when someone offers you a gift, we said about how this gospel is a free gift from God, you can either accept it and say thank you or reject it. Sadly, many make excuses for not accepting the gift God offers. I have no need of God, they often say. I'm quite happy without him. What they fail to realize is that our greatest need is not happiness, but rather forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. Without it, we're in serious trouble. The wrath of God, the Bible says, is being revealed against all unrighteousness. Without, without forgiveness, we, we, we face judgment and hell. There is too much to give up, some people would say. Well, I want to say to you, God loves you dearly and asks you to let go of things that would harm you. Sometimes some people say, well, I'm not good enough. I want to urge you, come just as you are. God loves you the same. He loves you just as you are. You are the reason why he sent his son, Jesus, into the world. You are the reason why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come for those who were already uh, doing the right things, those who had their lives sorted out. No, he came for those who didn't know which way to go. He came to save and to seek the lost. He came looking for the lost. And so you can come. I could never keep it up. Some people would say, well, that's very true. It is never or was never dependent on you anyway. And the Lord equips you with his power and his good news for every day. So you wouldn't have to do it in your own strength. Some say, I'll do it later. You might not have later. So do have a think again about this glorious news. God in his love. Send his son into our world to save us. He has made a way for us. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you and he wants you to come and have fellowship with him. He wants to reach out to you just going to pray as we finish. Oh, Father, I just thank you for this glorious gospel. Thank you that this gospel saves. Thank you that this gospel changes lives. Thank you that this gospel is not just something we believe and are saved, but this gospel actually equips us and helps us in our walk with you. And I thank you that this gospel is glorious. The fact that Jesus died for us. The fact that he was buried. The fact that he was raised to life and he is alive forever. I just want to pray that those hearing or watching today would just know you. Would you reach out to people in their rooms, wherever they may well be. I just pray, Jesus, would you reach out in your power to save, to heal, to transform. to just bring back to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord bless you, uh, the Lord keep you, and the Lord just make his face shine upon you. Amen.